You're listening to the Remax Hustle Podcast, brought to you by Remax of Western Canada. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Remax Hustle Podcast. My name is Wade Patterson. I'm a franchise development consultant with Remax of Western Canada, and I'm your host for this audio experience. The Remax Hustle Podcast is all about providing you with value by leveraging the knowledge and expertise of our Remax network. On this episode, I'm joined by Matt Van Winkle, broker owner of Remax Northwest in Washington State. Matt made his first entrepreneurial move when he decided to pursue real estate in lieu of a traditional law career. After several years as an independent broker, he opened his first Remax office at Green Lake in the summer of 2011. Today, Remax Northwest is home to 375 agents across 10 offices in Washington State. Matt and his team are constantly trying to improve, experimenting in new ways to serve clients while staying on the cutting edge of technology. Matt, welcome to the Remax Hustle Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And let's start with something I touched on there in the bio. As a licensed attorney, what made you choose the real estate industry over a traditional law career? Well, when I was in law school, I thought that I wanted to be a prosecuting attorney. And so I spent some time at the attorney general's office for the state of Washington. And during that, that experience, I decided I really didn't want to be a, a traditional lawyer. Uh, lawyers were unhappy. They were usually unpleasant. And I wanted to do something that was more collaborative and that you're, you're trying to work towards a win-win solution at the end. And I'd been always interested in real estate. I had two rental properties at the time, and I thought that there was a, a missing face in the market for somebody with a legal background that could also do the real estate transactional side and understand kind of the brokerage business as well as the, the legal business. So I, I jumped in in January of 2009 and, and decided I was going to do uh, residential real estate. In those early days, was there anything that surprised you about the real estate industry that you perhaps didn't expect? I didn't really understand a lot about the industry at the time. And, and so when I got started there in 2009, that was also when our real estate market was crashing. And we were looking at a complete upheaval of the real estate industry and what had been a very strong business and a very strong real estate market was on its way towards a pretty drastic drop. So kind of watching agents react to that caught me off guard and sort of being exposed to an industry where adaptation was not the norm and where adjustment was not the norm was a bit of a surprise to me because in the the legal world, it's all about making small incremental changes. You're always building off of what you did the last time. So coming into real estate and, and seeing sort of a lack of willingness to adjust to changing times was a, a bit of a surprise for me. Well, that's a perfect segue into the situation that we're in right now. And I've had the pleasure of seeing you speak at a few different Remax events, and I regularly consume your video content. And one of the major themes you've been talking about recently is the need for agents to adapt to this situation that we're in and the fact that some agents are actually adapting the wrong way. What have you been observing so far? And what do you think agents need to be focusing on right now? It's been interesting how quickly the parallels to the prior, the, the last downturn have really come into play. You know, the, the way that I was able to build a sales business in a down market very quickly was really because of the lack of adaptation from agents. 
I came into the market, I saw that we were starting to see distressed properties, short sales were, were starting to become a part of the market. And there were a lot of agents that looked at that and said, well, I don't do short sales. I don't do distressed properties, almost with, a, with an ego and a sense of pride that they don't do that. And I looked at it and said, well, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do that. Refer your client to me. I'll figure this out and I'll help them and I will pay you a referral fee. And I sort of see the same thing happening right now with agents where they're looking and say, well, if I can't go meet with my client, then I can't provide my service. So I'm just going to wait till this passes. Or I'm a people person and I do it all, everything in person and it has to be that in-person relationship. So I'm going to wait for this to pass. Rather than looking at it and say, my client has a need, there's a service that needs to be provided. How do I do everything possible and use whatever methods necessary in order to meet that need for my client? And if that means that I learn how to do a digital listing presentation, which I've never done before, that's what I have to go do because my client still needs to sell their house. I'm not allowed to go to their house. So let's do this through video so that I can still be, be prepped and, and ready to, to help my clients. And that's what I've really seen is, is agents just not willing to adapt to what needs to be done. So instead, they're just becoming complacent. They're getting used to staying at home and they're just saying, I'm going to wait for this to pass, assuming that it's going to come back. And that's the same thing I heard in 2009 and 2010. Oh, I'm just going to wait. The market's going to come back. But what happened is that when the market came back, the transactions came back, but they didn't come back in the same way. Yes, the transaction count and the transaction number increased, but it was different. And the agents who were at the front of that took market share and the agents that have been waiting for it to come back to the old way were left out of, of the recovery. Yeah, I want to go further down that path. So the agents who are saying, well, oh, I'm just going to wait for things to get back to how they were pre-COVID-19. I've heard you say that you don't think that that's going to ever happen. I mean, that there's going to be some fundamental changes. What kinds of specific fundamental changes do you think are going to happen coming out of this? We're seeing a shift in consumer behavior. And I I think there's going to be a couple components that go into this. One is that I don't think that a lot of consumers are going to feel comfortable engaging in one-on-one or group activities until there's a vaccine and until they feel comfortable being around other people in in large scale. And the amount of time that it looks like it's going to be for that to happen, I mean, it's, it's, you know, best case scenario is probably a year. And in a year, people are going to adjust their behavior and they're going to adjust how they work. But then the other thing that this is doing, it's accelerating technological changes that we really should have had a long time ago but they're now being compressed and they're, they're coming into, into play in a very short period of time. So for example, in our state, in, in Washington, we can now do digital notarizations. So the, the notary who's signing off or who's, who's witnessing the signature of documents doesn't have to physically be there. The banks have started to do electronic documents for loan documents and allowing electronic signatures. And these are things that aren't going to go back. We're not going to go back to having to do paper documents and sign you know, that entire stack of closing documents by hand because we have now moved to this. Our county recording offices are recording deeds electronically. They're not, they're not doing it with paper anymore. So all of these adaptations that were put in place out of necessity because we can't be physically near each other and we can't be you know, uh, transparent 
porting all this paper around and all these documents around, all of those things that were put in place are going to make the industry more efficient going forward. So we're not going to go back to how it was. So a combination of streamlined efficiencies that were, ne- were necessitated by this crisis and then a change in consumer behavior that's going to happen as a result, those two pieces together, I really believe that the real estate industry is not going back to how it was three or four months ago. One of the things I mentioned to you before we, we hit the record button is that you know the Remax Hustle podcast, we have an audience of mostly agents, but we also have a lot of broker owners and managers who tune in as well. And so I guess from a leadership standpoint, what should be the focus, in your opinion, of owners and management during these times? I think that the, the biggest thing that owners and management have to be doing is really evaluating your value proposition. What is it that you bring to the table? Because for a lot of real estate brokerages and a lot of owners, they were bringing, they were bringing two things. They were bringing, I've got a brand and I've got office space. Agents don't care as much about the office space, and a lot of them are afraid of the office space now. So where's the value proposition beyond I have physical space and I have a brand? I received a call from an agent at a very prominent local firm who called me and basically asked me what our value proposition was going to be now that we, weren't, we didn't have office space because our offices were required to be closed because she was evaluating her firm. And she said, well, I don't want to go back to my office because I don't feel that it's going to be safe there. So I'm not really sure why I'm with that company. And my comment to her was, well, my value proposition had never been about our physical space and it had never been just the brand. It was about coaching and developing and building real estate agents into business owners and helping them adapt in any market. And that's where I see that the brokerage owners and management teams have to really look and say, what are my agents going to need in the next six months and the next year? How am I going to provide that to them? But also, how am I going to do it if we're in an environment where we have limited in-person interaction? How am I going to continue to, to do that? And that's the challenge. And that's going to be where the brokerages that are going to really thrive at the end of this, they're going to conquer that, that challenge. Your offices, Matt, have always been focused on leveraging technology to be as efficient and have as solid systems as possible. How much did that preparation before this global pandemic benefit you coming into it? Well, honestly, we were, we were ready. Um, when, when we decided to close our offices, physically close our offices, it was before our state required us to do it. We sent our entire team home. And from an agent's perspective, nothing changed. We were able to run our entire system remotely. Our phones rang to the cell phone of one of our staff, we could still run the entire sequence. We've done all of our commissions through uh, electronic payments. We receive all of the commission, the agents' commissions electronically. We didn't blink. We didn't have to change anything about how we were operating, except that we just weren't physically in the office. And we talked with, you know, we were part of a lot of different uh, owner brokerage groups. And as as all these owners were trying to figure out how to navigate this crisis. There were a lot that were owners were having to drive to their offices to pick up commission checks and take them to the bank and make sure that their agents could get paid. We weren't spending any time on that. We were spending all of our energy and all of our management team and all of our staff on helping agents adapt their business plan and create a new business plan to work through this new reality. So honestly, it it put us in a position where 
this this didn't disrupt our business and our ability to serve our agents because we can do that from anywhere in any capacity. And it's because of those systems and because of that technology. Interested in learning more about a career in real estate? Head over to joinremax.ca. I know one of the challenges has been, you know, all of the agents have reacted somewhat differently to this depending on their circumstance. And it's tough to label everyone with one brush. I mean, some people are have become full-time homeschool teachers as well and all sorts of different circumstances that have arose. Was that a challenge that you had personally within your office as well as in terms of some agents really finding a difficult time being motivated? And how did you deal with that challenge? It's it's something that I think that everybody struggled with and we've all gone through kind of different phases of it. You know, we've we've seen kind of the progression where the first couple of days agents were trying to figure out what was what did this really mean? What do I have to do? And then we kind of moved into a, a, a phase of, all right, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting used to working from home. I'm understanding these new parameters. And then you reach a phase where people are starting to get to get restless and, and a little stir crazy. And we kind of had two tiers. And I'm, I'm really proud of my agents for, for how this happened is that because of the prep that we did and because we helped them stay engaged and stay in front of their clients from a purely supportive standpoint, there was, there was no real estate involved in this. It was just a helpful, supportive standpoint. Our transaction volume started to kind of come back pretty quickly, not, not as a market. Our, our overall is the market transaction volume is, is down significantly, but our agents were able to get busy again relatively quickly. So the agents who were staying engaged with their clients, who were staying engaged with their sphere, they started working again very quickly. And that has, has helped them kind of recover from this because they only had this little gap of time before they were right back out there working for those that were staying engaged. So it was, it was certainly a challenge. But for, our, for us, our focus was stay engaged, figure out how to work in the new parameters. And there's going to be a lot of business to be done. And that's, that's going to be what keeps you focused. It's interesting. It seems that every week, the topic of conversation, because this has been moving so quickly, and we've been evolving through this situation, that it changes from week to week. And this week, it seems that one of the big topics amongst our brokers is talking about preparing to reopen as some provinces have begun to lay forward plans to, to have a reopening plan for businesses. And so the offices are talking about what types of precautions are required in order to do this safely. Is this something you've been preparing for? And what is going to be your next step as you go forward with this? Yeah, so we're starting to have those conversations as well. And we were, we were asked by the governor's office to be part of the task force to lay out those parameters for how brokerages are going to reopen. Our state has picked a, a four-phase approach and, and real estate will be included as part of phase two and phase three. We're still working through those parameters, but what I've been laying out for my agents is that I really don't expect that even reopening is going to look anything like what it did before. We're not going to be hosting classes of 50, 75 agents in a room. We're not going to be having client appreciation events. We're not going to be doing company parties. We're going to have to still maintain that part of the business virtually. We're going to continue to do our classes virtually. We're going to do our office meetings virtually. 
we're going to be able to reopen in very limited contact for agents that want to come in and work in their office. But I expect that we're going to have to limit our, our drop-in space and our, our communal space will be limited. And we're going to have to really work through whatever parameters are, are laid out. So we're still in that discovery phase of what's going to be allowed and what's not. But we're going to take a very conservative and cautious approach on this. We have to protect our agents. We have to protect our clients and our staff. So we're going to maintain this, this virtual uh, environment that we've been running uh, when it comes to any sort of group activities so that we can make sure that we're, we're protecting our people. Quick question, side note on that. What have you found in terms of attendance? So I'm not sure. I'm guessing there was some form of in-person office training that you were doing beforehand. I'm sure you guys also leveraged uh, virtual training as well. But have you found that the numbers have increased? I know some of our offices had that situation where they actually had better attendance virtually than they were used to having in the in-office training. We've we found that exact same thing. We have had more engagement and more attendance than we've ever had at anything. And, and we had pretty good attendance. Um, but when you start to look at, at commute times and travel times and, and the difficulty of, of scheduling when you're in the real estate, in, uh, real estate industry, you're often bending at the whims of your clients. And what I found is that we've got our office meetings, we're doing them on Zoom, and I can see that agents are sitting in their car on their cell phone or they're sitting at an inspection waiting for something to happen and they're, they're jumping into the meeting real quick so that they can still stay engaged even though they've got other things that are going on as well. So we've seen this as an opportunity to increase the frequency of our training. We've increased the frequency of our meetings and we're getting close to 200 attendees at just about everything that we're doing. So to be able to maintain that level of consistency is, is really unusual. And then we're recording every single thing that we're doing as well and making that available. So agents who aren't able to join it live and participate live, they're able to watch and still get all of the information because we're sending out the recordings for them to use as well. Switching gears here, one of the things that you shared recently, I believe it was on one of your videos, is that you actually lost an agent last December because a competitor was able to better articulate how they could help that particular agent build their business. How did that experience affect the way that your offices have communicated value since then? That was another uh, real, kind of real eye-opening experience because it was, it was an agent that left because of things that we do, but he didn't realize that we do. And another a competitor was able to show a clear path from where he was to where he wanted to be, even though they didn't have the resources or the development training program or the track record that we had. So what we actually started doing at that point in time, which has served us enormously well right now, is we put together an entire platform for a real estate agent from day one until the end of their career, every stage of their career, exactly what they need to do and how the brokerage is going to support them. And it's, a, it's an online-based platform that they can work on individually or they can work on with their coach and their manager, and it can all be done electronically. So we've started, we launched it uh, about four weeks ago because it was already in the pipeline, but it, we accelerated the launch of it because it made it essential to be able to still coach our agents remotely. So now our managers can do a Zoom call with their, their agent. They can pull up the platform, they can work through a component, and then the agent can still do the homework on their own and continue to work on it. And it provided a very clear roadmap from start to finish 
every single thing an agent needs, every resource the office provides, every resource that Remax provides, and it's all in one, one cohesive place and easy for an agent to navigate either in person or electronically. One of the things that a few brokers I know have had various opinions on is whether or not this situation that we've been in, the global pandemic, has been a time for recruiting. What's your attitude on that? And what is the approach to recruiting? Because sometimes that's thought of as being very aggressive and in your face and, and that kind of thing. But are you recruiting during this time? And what does that look like? We are recruiting. I can understand the sentiment of some brokers. And I've seen companies in our market that really used this crisis as a, as a way to recruit and I think an underhanded way and leveraging fear and leveraging that, that uncertainty and the, the fear that was facing agents as a reason to recruit. What we've been doing is what we've always been doing, which is we share valuable information for agents. We share ideas on how they can help their business. And if they decide that we're the brokerage, then we'll talk to them and we'll show them how we can take it further. And that's, that's what we've been focused on. And so we have, we have been recruiting. We're getting more inbound calls than we've ever received. And it's because we are sharing these, we're sharing ideas, we're sharing strategies with our agents, and our agents are out there sharing them in the community. So that agent that I mentioned earlier that had called me and asked me about the office space, the reason she called me was because she saw one of our agents post a video on Facebook where he was talking to his clients about what the real estate market would look like and what our showing restrictions and how we were still operating. And her comment was, well, my brokerage has been doing all these Zoom meetings, but they haven't been telling us what to do. I want to know how what he did. How do I copy what he did? And so I invited her to a class that we did this, this uh, past week. Uh, about how to leverage video, how to shoot video from home, and and how to make Facebook vid- videos, and it's those little types of things that are getting agents to look and say, "I'm not sure that my brokerage is prepared for what's coming. I need to be at some be with somebody who is." And that's that's what's driving our recruiting is is how can we help agents succeed? Yeah, that's fantastic. It goes back to the old saying of almost be their broker before you're their broker kind of thing. Provide the value up front. It's showing, them, it's showing them a path. I mean, all of this is, there is concern, there's uncertainty, and people need a path and they need to know what to do next. And that's what we're trying to give them is, is that path and the resources to be able to succeed. Good stuff. Well, Matt, there's been a ton of value already on this episode, but since it is the Remax Hustle podcast, we like to end every episode with a hustle tip. So what is your Remax Hustle tip for accomplishing a task when you need to get something done? Well, my, my tip and the way that I work every day is I start my day with 90 minutes of productive work without looking at my email or my phone. So that's, that's my biggest tip is you're going to get the most done if you don't look at your email, you don't look at your phone, and you start your morning with just pure focus on what you need to get done for the day. Because then if you don't get any, any other productive work done, you've gotten more work done in that 90 minutes than most people do all week. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for taking the time to share your knowledge on this episode of the Remax Hustle podcast. Thank you. It was great to be here. That's all for this episode. We hope you took away an idea or strategy to help grow your business and perhaps most importantly, allow you to continue that Remax Hustle. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Remax Hustle podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from.